last Wednesday. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, by the way. Acts chapter 1. Last Wednesday, I was at my desk. God gives me the sermon at various times through the week. Most of the time, it's anywhere between the middle and the latter part of the week because of the nature of it. And I was sitting at my desk, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit dropped a message into my spirit. You know how that goes. And so I, uh, I filled out the outline, and later I would come back and fill in the blank. And when we got to service Wednesday night, Ruth Britton ministered on about the fire of God. And then Pastor Ethel Washington shared about uh, the natural fire of God that she saw in the volcano there in Hawaii as they were on vacation, and she likened that to a spiritual rendering. And my spirit leaped within me as, as they related that which was spiritual and that which was natural that God had used to, to stir their hearts. And, and my, I was sitting there and I was thinking, God, how good you are, how you tie your word together. And for a while in the service, I just shared that thought of, of how that had ministered unto me. My thought leads back to this book of Acts. And as I said Wednesday night, I, so I would suppose that more sermons in the Pentecostal full gospel ministry has been preached from this book of Acts, first and second chapter, than probably any other messages. And the text that God gave me was Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. Is this mic a little bit too hot for you all? Turn it down just a bit, brother, please. How's that? Is that a little bit better? Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. And we read, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible today. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now if you go back to the preface on this scripture, what would have leaped into their understanding would have been Matthew 3.11 where John the Baptist is ministering and he is saying that I'm baptizing you with water. But the one that comes after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now that would be great, but John goes on to say not only the Holy Ghost, but fire. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And if you, if you catch the rendering of that of that Greek word fire, it means like lightning flashing. The only thing that the world could understand and the only thing that a Christian can see is what's happening in you when the Holy Ghost baptizes you in fire. You're like a, you're like a thunderstorm with the lightning of God flashing all around you. It's flashing in your spirit and it arcs through the heavens of your spirit and it illuminates you and it's something that once you've seen it you can, and felt it, you can never get away from it. Once you've experienced, and I love to stand out in a thunderstorm, I used to take my kids when they were small and well, babies and I would hold them in their arm, in my arm, one of them in each arm. And when there was a full-blown thunderstorm, I'd step out under my porch. Now, you know, use wisdom in it. But I'd stand out there and watch that thing because to me, there is nothing in this world that's quite as beautiful and awesome as a thunderstorm when it's in its, when it's in its full blossom. With the concussions and the sounds and the, and the lightning flashing and the wind, I love to feel that. I love to feel the wind and the concussion and see that lightning. And I had no idea why that stirred me so much until I read that passage in John. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. 
He's going to baptize with, with fire in your life. And it's like lightning catching upon you. Can I tell you today that what the church of the living God needs, it needs not only the baptism in water, it doesn't only need the baptism of the soul, but it needs the fire in it. The fire is going out in Pentecostal circles today. And I'll tell you, the only church that the world is ever going to see and recognize and appreciate for what it does is a church that's got some fire. You take a mandy pandy milk toast gospel to the world that we've been, that Satan has lured his church into over these centuries and preach that, and the world doesn't want it. I don't even, I don't even put my crackers in my soup because I don't want anything soggy. Give me something that's got some crispness to it. Give me something that's got some flavor to it and taste to it and contrast to it. The world is looking for a church that's got some fire in it today. It wants to see that kind of a church and it longer respect that kind of church. We're never going to walk with the world anyway. We might as well quit playing that game about trying to walk in the, in the world with one foot in the pulpit and the other foot in the pulpit and one in the, in the world. It won't work. And because it won't work, we've seen ministries fall time after time after time. I just heard of a problem with a major ministry just this last week. I saw it in the, in the paper. You don't have problems in churches that's got fire and the fire of God is kept alive in them. You don't have problems in marriages where the, where the love of God and the fire of God is kept alive in them. The Holy Ghost will burn out anything in a life that's unpure. The world wants to see that. We want to see that. My heart lines just cries out to see that. It's, it's this Holy Ghost church with fire that's going to be, going to be able to one who will be able to respond to Satan's kingdom. It'll respond to the world, sure, but it'll only be able to respond, that church, to the satanic kingdom. Demons of this world will only respond to a Holy Ghost fire in a life or in a church. That's the only thing they'll, they'll respond to. You take a church that plays with Satan, and he'll play with the pew, and he'll play with the building, and he'll play with the pastor, and he'll play with the board and the deacons and Sunday school and everything else. You burn the, the burning of God, get in there, and demons can't have a place in that operation. They, they come to church more than a lot of saints. They're a lot more faithful than a lot of saints of God. They come all the time. They, they, they walk around with pastors, and they walk around in your life, and they walk around in my life. And if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile into your life. Tribulations, can I tell you that the problems of your life will never go away as long as you say, Oh, Lord, if it be your will. Just, just pour out your blessings on us and keep us safe. Put us in our little spiritual incubators and let this trouble just go away from me. No, Satan will take that and he'll win the saints from one end to the other. Tribulations of life. We, we call them tribulations. What they really are, they're just piled up circumstances of demons and men. And those kind of things will never bow their knee to anything except a church and a person that is born again with the Holy Ghost fire burning inside their body, inside of their soul and inside their spirit. Disease will never bow its knee to a doctor. Disease will never bow its knee to a person who runs to the medicine cabinet first every time something happens in their life. Disease of this life and this multitudinous today will only bow its knee to a person who has the Holy Ghost and has fire. It's the only kind of person who's going to make it attacking the demon word. Well, can I tell you that water and fire have always been enemies? They've, all, they've always been enemies. Even God created them to be in the natural enemies. Every time I ever saw a amount of, of fire, if you've got an over amount of water, you can put the silly thing out. And if you've got an overabundance of fire, you can you can evaporate the water that's there. If it's, but you you know you got to have a balance. You got to have what you need. But they're they're natural enemies to one another. In properties of physics, they are natural enemies. They just don't mix. 
But aren't you glad that in the kingdom of God, that all things are possible, says the 10th chapter of Mark. God can take that which appears not to blend, and he can blend water and fire and do it perfectly. Elijah, that story of that great prophet as he stood on top of that mountaintop, and he, and he chided the, 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 the uh, priests and the, and the princes of, of Baal, crying to your God, crying to your circumstances. Maybe he's not listening. And he chided them and he berated them and he poked fun at them and he teased them. Pour it on. And they needed to hear one thing as he was testifying unto them and he, as he was chiding them. Woven in between of his words were such things as the fact that they needed to hear that Israel had a God. That's what he said. He said, I'm doing this so that you can know that Israel's got a God. Can I tell you that a church that's on fire with the Holy Spirit in the United States, President Bill Clinton is going to hear that the United States has got a God. Right now, they're only hearing about certain gods. But when the church rises up in Holy Ghost power and strength, they're going to find that there's still a God in the United States. And Elijah said, I want you to know that God has got a servant. Standing before you, he was saying, is God's servant. And you don't have the right to, to judge me or evaluate me. I would to God that some of the more pronounced ministers in this country would walk up on the steps of Capitol Hill and say, this is what's wrong with this country. You lead us into a sin. You lead us into gross sin. And can I tell you that I'm God's prophet and you may not understand what I'm saying, but God will witness through me by signs and wonders that you must turn this country back to God. And take a stand one way or the other. He, Elijah was saying, I'm God's servant. I'm acting on God's word is what he would have said. Nobody's going to respect you if you come in your own strength. Satan won't even respect you if you come in your own strength. That is, he likes to keep you ignorant and tell most people they don't have any strength. Whisper that to me, lie to me for years. You don't have any strength. Or if the preacher can't get it done for you, you can't get it done. You can't get any more spiritual than the pastor teaches you. And I found that I've been lied to all those years. Praise God for Holy Ghost filled pastors and teachers and preachers and the fourfold, slant, fivefold ministry gift in the church. But I'm telling you, you can go on with God if a devil stands in the pulpit. And in most churches today, a devil stands in the pulpit. Is that plain enough, brother? Does that preach? I hate to say it, it grins my heart to say that, but you can't find many churches where the Holy Ghost and fire is preached on the pulpit. Because when you've got that, you'll hear truth. And you'll see things happen. You'll see bodies healed, and you'll see people delivered, and you'll see it working through the ministry. But if, if that doesn't happen, then God's people can still go on. They can still be everything. And Elijah was saying to them, I'm telling you, you're looking at a, at a place where God, a country that God is God, and you're looking at a servant as God, of God that when I go, the Holy Ghost goes with me. And what I do, He does. And I'm not operating in my strength, so just stand back and let's see what God is going to do about this situation. Pour it on. They couldn't get anything done. Pour on the water. Three times they poured it on. And they saturated that thing. And all the while he was chiding them. And, and probably by this time, they're starting to few, throw a few more dogs back at him. Let's say something. Show me that miracle. Show me that miracle. Show me something's going to happen. But then he said the words. He said, let them see that thou God. Let them see the children of God over this thing. They see with the natural what's happening. Now let them see with the spiritual what you are. And this fire, this lightning from God came and it burned up the offering. It burned up the stones. It burned up the ground. It crystallized all the sin underneath. They had a sea of glass 
underneath that thing and then let you fall in water. But it only happened, it only happened when the fire fell. He get cried out all the time and nothing would have happened until the fire of God falls. A church that will get hungry for God. A church that will want to see God move at all expenses. They can cry, they can weep, they can pray, they can spend time on their knees, but until the fire is there, nothing is going to happen. But when the fire comes, you start seeing impurities happen in a church. Appearances happen, rather, in a church. You start seeing God burn people out of pews because they, if their heart won't be touched and burn away the impurities, God will destroy them. You've never gone through a church split. You've never really seen Satan at his best. A long story, but I went through one one time. Been through a couple of them. And the, the leadership wouldn't stand behind the pastor and rose up against the pastor. And I don't say this, well, maybe I better go back and give you a little more understanding. They called a meeting. People had come up into the service. In the middle of a service, just like it, a group of deacons came in and stood right over there and said, we want to call a business meeting. And of course, they didn't allow it that morning. And the next following week, they, the, some of the other people met at my house. The pastor was, was not there, but he was aware of the meeting. Can I tell you, it's never proper to have a meeting in the church without the pastor. God won't honor, God won't honor anything that the pastor at least doesn't know about or have a right to be there because he is ex officio member of everything of the church. He, the pastor knew that. They met at my house and we decided the course of action and I was going to be the spokesman. I had wanted the person who should have been the spokesman, but he wouldn't do it. The second person wouldn't do it. So it fell my lot and I agreed to do it. I stood in the pulpit and I made the proclamation that about eight, I think it was either eight or ten of the more prominent deacons in that church be suspended until the church had a chance to look into it. And I made that as a motion because we'd opened it up for business. And I made the motion, asked for a second, and all those people who had been there sat silent. Sat silent. And I'm standing there with all that egg on my face. So I think the only thing I can do is make the proclamation again. So I made the, purpose, the proposition again, still silence. So I, I said, okay, I withdraw that. I withdraw that. And I stepped back and my heart was broken and I sat over there and as soon as the service was dismissed, I ran to a, back to my home because I, my heart was just weeping. Because what they had, they, had, they had promised me that they would do, they were no longer there anymore. You're standing out there by yourself on that limb sometime and it gets windy out there because I knew we had the truth. I knew we couldn't allow that. God is a God of decency and his order and he doesn't replace ministers that way. And as soon as I got home, my phone started ringing by some of these people who said, we're going to stand behind you. And I said, brother, let me tell you something. You're about 30 minutes too late. I needed you 30 minutes ago. But I maintained fellowship and I maintained love with the congregation. But within, within two weeks, within two weeks, God had moved out to a man, every person who rose up against the pastor in leadership. And he did it supernaturally. They went someplace else. Some of them, I understand, are now dead. And we sent some of that joy, or we didn't send it, but they went to other churches. And that's another, that's another sermon. But nothing happens until the fire is there in your life. You can understand all the pleasantries. You can understand what this book is preaching and what it's teaching, but until it becomes an integral part of your spirit and you carry this fire around with you because ministries will lie to you. Either out of omission or commission, out of ignorance, whatever, but they'll lie to you because those who won't enter in and they won't let others enter in. But when fire is there, things will happen in situations and nothing happens in our lives 
you never will really accomplish a tremendous amount for God or nobody else will until they have this fire of the Holy Ghost burning in them. When people, missionaries have gone to, to Africa for 200 years plus and they're still going every day. We've sent enough missionaries to Africa to save that country a hundred times over. God, God doesn't need but one person to turn a country around or a nation around. But that person he sends has got to be full of the Holy Ghost and he's got to be full of fire. Or she, whoever God wants to use. They've got to have both those ingredients. They've got to have water and fire. Water and fire. That Holy Ghost blending. But because of the only way that they can blend is with the power of God causing that to happen. Because in the natural, they don't blend. That's why people refuse this Pentecostal experience. They, they got the water. They just don't want the fire. Because they say the, the fire makes you do silly things, though. God doesn't make us do any silly things or stupid things or foolish things. I preached last Sunday, God's not looking for clowns. He's looking for obedience. And sometimes what it looks like to the world is different from what it looks like to you. And if you're in the Spirit, it's proper and it lines up with the Word of God and it'll produce that way until you send that. When it falls, things are going to happen. When our families need healing and our lives need healing, they need burning out and changes. When our circumstances changing, nothing happens and nothing changes until within our spirit comes those words, Thou art God. Thou art God. Nothing happens until we make that statement. We have to make him a God of fire in that spirit man. Only the fire of God can cause a salvation message to come into our soul and burn out that evil that's there and cause salvation to take place. But then it has to work that Holy Ghost in that soul of that person or else they'll stay a compromised Christian playing with the Word for the rest of their life. But when that fire gets in there and the Holy Ghost moves out of their spirit into their soulish man, then they see that there's a God and they're a man or a woman of God and they've got this fire into, inside, of their, inside of their soul as well as in their spirit, then their actions start to take on Holy Ghost and fire type actions. We start doing things that's got fire attached to them and not just pleasantries. Sometimes we speak to people and we have to give them just, just the water aspect. There's other times you have to speak to people and you have to lay it on there with fire attached to it. And I'm of the opinion <clears throat> that the United States has heard all of the water that it can stand. I think the United States is like the altar. It is saturated with water and it's running around the pit. And most of it equates to the demonic. They've got just a portion, just enough to make them religious and not sacred and saints. But when the fire of God is put into this nation, then we're going to see some things happen. Do we wonder why Satan attacks the, the Pentecostal movement so? Do we wonder why he attacks the full gospel and the charismatic people? Why does he try to lure them with all the sex and the money? Why does he try to tear them down? Why does he put the big demons in there to get them? And all the major contemporary angels who would try to steal their ministry because to those who much is given, much is required. Be careful if you pray for God to use you. Make sure you want the fire and you've got the fire of God because if God starts using it, he's gonna, Satan's going to trot out the big boys. It's not going to be a little bit of praying five minutes for a situation and letting it go. Sometimes you've got to hang, get, grab that thing with a bulldog tenacity and say, I'm not going to let go until you bless me and I'm not going to let go until I see the Holy Ghost and fire change this situation. And that's the only way that this country and all the only way these people are going to be turned around is when they see a church that's got some fire to it. I don't care about pleasing the world anymore. I stood in the face of my supervisor one day and I told him, I said, you and this organization are not my source. 
My source is the Lord. I'll obey you as long as I can. I'll be obedient to you and I'll serve this organization. But when you and I come to a place where it's got to be God or it's got to be you, I can tell you it's got to be God. I'll try to serve any man that's following God. I don't have time. First of all, I don't have the years unless God gives me what I'm asking for, and I believe he's going to. To waste on compromise and to waste on innuendo and, and play things because I've, I've seen the water poured out. But praise God, also I felt the licking of the Holy Ghost lightning. I've seen the fire take place also. I'll tell you that when thou art God comes into a situation, those situations are going to change and until that fire comes in, nothing is going to change in that. They just won't happen until those kinds of situations are changed by the burning out of God. Now can I tell you something about seeing the Holy Ghost and fire pour down and fall? It's not all for the body of Christ per se. It's not all just to see that God is uplifted, although that's a part of it. It's not just all so that the world can see God lifted up and high and lifted up. Can I tell you, there is a certain amount of righteous selfishness involved in it. To see the, the fire of God fall. It's not all just spirituality. If we get caught up in all spirituality, pretty soon, we become so spiritually minded that we can't do anything for God. We can't get anything good. We can't minister at any level. But there is a certain amount of righteous selfishness about seeing the Holy Ghost and fire into a life. Peter's sermon there of explanation in Acts chapter 2 was so that he says there in verse 40 to so that they could save yourselves from this to untoward generation. Now that's selfish righteousness. Selfish righteousness. Certainly God's got to be lifted up. And certainly everything we do has to ultimately pass to Lord and glorify Him. But can I tell you, when you and I are whole and perfected, God gets the ultimate glory. I believe in a saint who is prospering and healthy and giving God glory and positive and, and has a good confession, not out of the soul, but out of the spirit. I believe that that ministers to a world, a world because I think it's born out of the word, out of the water, and out of the fire. That's in the life. And there is a certain amount of self in that he says save yourself from this untoward generation and that untoward generation if you want to know what it is go home this afternoon turn on your TV set read what happened in your congress last week read what happened over in Tallahassee read, read what happened down in city hall Read what happens as the business world attacks those and steals and kills. It means just a general perverseness. Look at the billboards of the movies that's, that's showing down at the corner. I look at those things. When they came out with their rating, it was rare when you see an R movie. Most of them were G when they started rating those. Occasionally a PG, and that was pretty bad. But if you saw an R, it went, all the Christians went, oh, we just need to pray for God. Water. And now you drive by that thing and almost every one of them are R. Occasionally you'll see a PG and what we used to consider that great ultimate deliverer of our children, Disney, is now making movies and I heard him say the other night, we're going to start making movies that we can show after the kids go to bed. What does that mean? They're going to start producing perverseness. Selfish righteousness. Saving ourselves from this untoward. Uh, it's the same word in the Old Testament that is forward. It's a perverseness that's out there. You can't look. I dare say you cannot go out in a day and look in any area of this city, in any circumstance, any community, any, any, uh, any building or any organization, and you will not, that you won't see perverseness there. It's all there. And it's flagrant. 
And Peter is saying, you've got to save yourself from this untoward generation. Don't look to the pastor to do the praying for you. I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll pray in a heartbeat. And I'll agree with anything that, that is close to being scriptural. But we've got to learn that we've got to get this fire and we've got to pray for ourselves. We are looking at saving ourselves from all that junk that's out there. We used to be a leader in the world of, of technology and, and righteousness and now we're a leader in pornography. Other countries, third world countries that we used to send missionaries to are now sending to the United States and when I heard that my heart broke within me. Some of the third-rate countries are sending missionaries to save the United States. And I think, God, I hate to admit it, but send more of them if they got the Holy Ghost, but send more and more still if they've got some fire. We need some, we need some missionaries that got some fire in this country. We need... I, I'm longing for the day when I hear... Now, I, I know that they're out there, Okay. When I hear a large block of the, of the Christian population who are charismatic, slant Pentecostal, probably should say Pentecostal, slant charismatic, say, God has burdened me to go next door to the ghettos and go down to the businessmen, to their meeting, get involved in the chamber of commerce and minister there. No, I want to, I want to go to Africa, Lord. I want to go to the Australia, Lord. My spirit most of the time says, look right next door, that's where the field is. Don't tell me about Africa until you've told me about Jacksonville. And it's not that God can't call people there, but can I tell you there's a whole lot of play, games playing in the missionary field. There's a whole lot of games playing in churchiatus things. And my heart burns within me to see a church and a body and organization that not only has the Holy Ghost, but they've got some fire in that thing. But in the meantime, I'm not looking to any organization or anybody else to save my family and myself. I am busy saving myself from this untoward generation and my house. You know what your house means? That's not the place of sticks and stucco and brick. That means that which comes out of your seed, comes out of your union. If you're the spiritual head of your house, if a man won't do it, then the woman has to do it. If a woman won't, a man or a woman won't do it, then God has to raise up a child or a young person to be the spiritual head of all of their house. If there's nobody else there who can take the spiritual authority, God will use a child who has the fire to be head over that house. And when they bind things on earth, Bible says it's bound in heaven. When the fire is loosed on earth, God says, just stand back. My lightning is fixing to come so that you can save yourself from this perverseness of, gener of this generation. You can't walk through this life and stay healthy without some fire. Christians are making psychiatrists and sociologists and MDs. You know, you don't have to know anything. Just hang up a shingle and says, I'm a doctor. You don't have to know anything. One man poses an imposter as a doctor operate on people. I, I know people, I've heard them say it. Well, the doctor says I've got to have my head cut off, so I go on in and and let them do it. Well, that's, that's a little bit of exaggeration, but it's not too far. People say, okay, but here's my, here's my body, doc. Go ahead and cut whatever you need. Take whatever you need in there. No, it says, save yourself. And those who are getting rich are, uh, are, are doctors who are feeding on the Christians, and the Christians are the first of all find their healing right there in this book. It didn't say search out the closest medical help. It says, look in James chapter 5. Say you're against doctors, not in this life. I've been ministered to by doctors. But when I found out that God heals and delivers, I started looking to him first. I gave, I always give God a chance to do it first. I give God a chance to replace my teeth that were missing first. I give God a chance to fill my teeth before I go to a dentist. I give him a chance to do it first. 
saving myself from an untoward generation and my house. I practice the same thing in my house until such time as a lot of my kids got where they thought they knew more than daddy did. <clears throat> my son-in-law went to one time looked at me. He was playing church and I had to give him some fire and I said, son, let me tell you something. You may be a young Christian, but I'm an old Christian. I know where the fire is. Sometimes you have to lay it out there for them, parent. Sometimes you have to say, no, I know more about this than you do. I know more about it as, than you do. You say, oh, that's so. No, Paul said, you follow me. He said, he told them when he mentioned that jailer, got him saved, got him baptized. He says, now this is available to, you, to your house. To your house. And if you're going to save yourself, you've got to get selfishly righteous before the Lord. You've got to want to be whole and complete. I know Christians who don't want to be whole and complete because if they do, they'll cut off the Social Security check. Don't heal me, Lord. Give, give me partial healing, Lord. Don't, don't heal me completely. Just let me limp. <laughs> I don't, you know, don't, if you heal all this, I may have to go to work. That's true. They're out there. They're out there. They're doing that every day. If you took all the Christians off the social welfare rolls, my Lord, that could probably pay off that thing and still take care of the natural, the, the natural debt, the national debt. You've got to save your families. You've got to get selfishly righteous about your families. Don't look for the state to do it. If you're listening by tape, I'm talking to you. Don't look for the state to save your families. Get selfishly righteous about our families. Desire the water and the fire in there. We, we, we've got to get selfishly righteous about preserving our own sanity. Because if we start listening to all this junk in the world, putting our intentions upon it, and our uh, attentions upon it, you, you go bananas. You can't keep up with it all. They've got too many things. You can't understand it all unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. It never was preached about the fact that you have a right to be selfishly righteous and have righteous selfishness about you to the desires. Because you see, the world wants to speed it all. Satan wants to speed it all. That lying scoundrel, if Jesus had taken him up, on that proposition about if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all things. If, if Jesus had taken him up on it, that lying thing would have stolen it back the, the next day and then laughed at Jesus and the same thing he'll laugh at us if we don't stand our ground. You think these demons who are here today like to hear this kind of message? If you've never heard them scream in the spirit, if it, if, <clears throat> I, I, I got one out of somebody one day and I heard him go, Wow! He didn't want to release that. They, they, they don't want to hear these kind of messages of Holy Ghost and fire. Yeah, just give them the water. Let them have the water. We can walk coexistent with most of them who just have the water. But Lord, if anybody ever hears about the fire, when I heard about the fire, and when that fire started flashing through my soul and flashing out of my fingertips and out of my hands and I saw people raised up by the power of God, I went, well, I, you know you do a few silly things. Now, I went looking for, for devils. And God honored that. <laughs> now, I do believe that there's a little more wisdom. I, I think God honors some of the things that, in foolishness. But then, then after a while, I did recite move back just a little bit to where when God brought me into circumstances, then the Holy Ghost and fire came out. I didn't, I didn't necessarily go looking for them unless the Holy Spirit said, go do that. Because if we get too run ahead of him too far, we're going we're gonna to leave him behind. But if we drag behind too much, we're going to lose him too. He's a paraclete, right? He's the one that, when you need him, he's right there. That's where he wants to be, in countenance and steps. Come on, let's go. Hallelujah, you and me, praise God. I got the Holy Ghost. He said, well, if you do, I got the fire. <laughs> I got a hold on the Holy Ghost. He said, we're going to hang on, son, because everything about me is fire. Hang on, buddy. 
I'll give you your self-sanity. I'll give you your family. I'll give you the ties and the needs of your life. Yeah, man, let Satan steal it from you. The manifestation of John 10, 10 is the works of Satan who has liberty in the world. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying this. I love this kind of a sermon. John, under the anointing, when Jesus revealed Revelation, the book of Revelation to us, the thing that God says makes me want to throw up, makes me want to absolutely, now if, if words mean anything, this is what God says. What makes me want to throw up are those who I look at and they're satisfied with just being lukewarm. Tepid, water. My mother used to, I was sick and the boy, she used to give me <laughs> I got that in London. I got that at uh, Westminster Abbey. <laughs> Talk about no fire. <laughs> Talk about fire that place to, to kindle a, an ant. My mother used to give me tepid water, salt and tepid water. Lord, the, the first that went down there, the last coming back up. You know, I couldn't get that down. And when I got in the Spirit, every place I went, they gave me perfect spiritual water. But one day, praise God, they gave me five steaming hot. And I'm, I'm that way today. If I'm going to drink iced tea, I want it just above freezing. If I'm going to drink milk, I want, I want ice cubes in my milk because I want it just above freezing. But if I'm going to drink coffee, I want it just below boiling. That's the way I like it. When, I want, when the Spirit of God came into me, I got the water, but when I found out that it was going to be boiling water, that when the fire of God went into it, the immediately went up into a boiling, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be fervent with God. Fervent with God. And the Bible says it. What makes God nauseous is a lukewarm church. False confidence while we're rich. We're the, we're the first church of this area. When people look at us while they watch us on TV, TV, and we've got such saintly little faces. Just look at that. My pretty little saintly face. Well, I never say anything that would wound or offend. If you come in here, we'll never wound your spirit. We'll never wound your soul. We'll just love you. Besides that, we've got the best softball team in town. We're <laughs> rich! got the prettiest church, and not only that, we spend six, ten thousand, and it's gorgeous, we spent four million dollars on it, and we're going to tear this down, and we're going to build another one that'll seek fifteen thousand for a hundred million dollars, because we want to build more lukewarm Christians. Lukewarm. <laughs> Jesus said one of, the, one of the factors is they'll have infected eyesight. They're going to need fast. Because they can't see. They can't see. We were talking about in Sunday school today how people can't see. Why you can minister to them in the right place and they, and they can't seem to get a scratch to them. Well, I can tell you why. I can give you an answer. It's because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. You got to have the Holy Ghost and you got to have fire. And if you're lukewarm in there, honey, you can forget it. But if you're the fire of God, they, they, they'll persecute you. They'll turn you away. But your phone will ring at night. If they know you've got some fire. If you've got some fire, he says, they're naked. See, God says the thing that makes me ashamed of is that they're naked. They don't know they're naked. No leadership. They don't have any leadership. Just somebody who can make good plans. You need fire. God told him, he says in Revelation 3, under the revelation of Jesus through John to us, he says, I, I want gold. Don't give me just gold like that. If you boil that thing down, it would be impure. God says, I want saints. That when I boil them down and I look at the cauldron, there ain't nothing on the top of it to stem off. I want saints that are pure gold. Pure gold. 
And just like we've never seen pure gold in this country, but we're going to see it in that heavenly Jerusalem. We sang it out. Maybe that, I believe that. Just came to me why God used in that way, brother. We've never seen pure God, pure gold in this, in this earthly environment, but we're going to see it in that heavenly Jerusalem. But we've, we've got a vision of it, and we're working toward it. And in the mind of God, when you've got the Holy Ghost and got fire, even though you sin, God sees you through Jesus as pure, pure gold, with all of the dirt swept off of it, keeping ourselves clean and pure and holy before the Lord. Give me gold that's been tried in the fire. That word there, give me gold tried in the fire of Revelation, that's exactly the same word that was used in Matthew 3 when John says he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That's the same thing. Give me gold tried in the fire. He's going to give you Holy Ghost and fire. What do you think he's giving you that, that fire for? It's not so we can get, get four Sean guys. No. It's so that we can be a stanchion to, to, to God in a world that's awash with sin. That people can fasten on to and hold on to and climb upon and find refuge in a sea where there's no answer and there's no hope. The people who observed the transformation of the Acts 2 church didn't know what they had in their midst. They, they were confounded. The word says they were confounded in Acts 2. They, they were confounded. They didn't know what that was. And they said in Acts 2, 12, what, what in the world is the meaning of all this? <clears throat> a person or a people or a church that's got the Holy Ghost uh, with the baptism and with fire, the world will still ask that question. What in the world is this that I'm drawn to? What, what's the meaning of all this? And our report to them is Jesus. 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 You see, the world is ready to receive the supernatural. The world doesn't want the natural anymore. They, they've got the natural in the United States. They can, they can buy it for quarter to corner. The natural. They can pay $20 and go to the doctor and get it. If they had the $20. But what is going to capture them and make them say, what in the world is this? I'm confounded. Is the fact that you've got the supernatural fire of God burning in there. You see, people today won't understand the church on fire. They won't understand that. But they will receive its ministry. The signs of the church in Acts in the Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the law doesn't offers in us as in the gifts. But when the gifts come, it's not to, to sway the believer, it's to sway the unbeliever. Because they're looking for something more. They're looking for something more. What meaning is this? The religious man will persecute, but the holy people, they will accept a person who's got the Holy Ghost and fire. Honey, you can minister to anybody in the world, you get their kid healed. Anybody who doesn't have a dime, and you say, I, I don't have it to get to you, but I tell you what, I'm, I've got the Word of God. I've got fire, and when I pray, God moves. I'm going to pray. And the word of knowledge is coming to me that when I pray, God's going to meet you in need by 6 o'clock this afternoon. And you pray that prayer of faith, and you let it go to God. And when God produces that by 6 o'clock, they're going to say, they're going to say, I'm concerned. I don't understand. What is this? And they will see it. I've never seen anybody in the world turn down money or healing. I have never seen the first person, when they were healed, turn it down. But I've seen a lot of Christians say, well, no, don't pray for me for that healing stuff. Uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm saved and, and I go to the church down here and I got, besides that, I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Don't pray for me. And my answer to them is, now used to, I, I would say, oh, c come on, you know, let me pray for him. God says, he'd, I say, my answer to him now is, you understand that healing is in the Bible? Yeah. And you, you, you don't want me to pray for you? That's right. Sayonara. Instead of saying, go and sin no more, and I don't say it to them, I'm not that crude, but in my spirit I say, go and if need be, die and go to be with God. If you won't believe his word, go on to be with him. Get out of the situation. Why hang on with your fingernails hurting all the time when you can pray and be with God? Pray so you can be with God. 
the world will receive you love them. But the world will receive your words of comfort for them because, first of all, there's no place else in the world that they're going to find it. Nobody else is going to give a comforting word. Nobody else in this world can lay hands on somebody and pray a prayer of faith and then get healed except the Word of God does that. Now, when it appears to happen, then we've got a, we've got a ministry too. I was watching something on TV just today, this morning caught my interest. It was a place I don't know if it was a church or just a cave but it had a place in it to where some people had picked up some mud and they had gotten healed and I believe it was a little sanctuary and they had crutches around the walls of people who had been healed and the crutches were upon the wall and I saw this priest not too long ago and and he was shaking a, a, a water thing over people. And they were being slayed, and they got up testifying that they were healed. All Satan has got to do, and, and learn this, learn that you need to attack this. All Satan has to do to give an apparent healing is just to command his lesser demons. All right, leave him alone now. Go over here and attack this one. And the healing appears to come. But if it doesn't come the scriptural way, if it doesn't happen the way that God says that he's going to heal, if anything gets the glory for it, mud, God doesn't heal by mud unless Jesus is in it. God doesn't heal by the flowing on of water out of some branch unless God is operating through that thing and you'll know it. We need to tell people that Satan can give lying wonders. Lying wonders. Time to go, but I want, I want five more minutes. <clears throat> I could take, I thought this sermon was going to run about 30 minutes. I, <laughs> give, please give me five more minutes. There's a saying that if you play with fire, you'll get burned. And you've all heard that, right? And can I tell you that is a true statement? That's a true statement. I know that for a fact. But can I also tell you that when you play with the Holy Ghost and with His fire, you're going to get burnt too. Praise God. But His burning is going to be the excitement of seeing God move in situations supernaturally, healing and delivering and responding to His Word. He is going to move through commitments to His Holy Spirit. Because He said in Revelation 1, I come walking in the middle of the candlestick. He says, I walk in the middle of fire. That's where I live. It's in the middle of fire. I don't live in the middle of water. I just use the water to wash, but I live in the middle of the candlestick. I'm surrounded by fire. And it's a consuming fire, says Deuteronomy 4. My God is a consuming fire. Once you have walked in the fire of God, that consuming spirit of God will consume you. It will burn you. It will consume your every waking minute, your environment, your actions, your stimulations are, are going to be drunken by the spirit. You'll walk through that drug term called a high, a spiritual high, when the fire of God burns in you. Hallelujah. But the great paradox of it is that when you live surrounded by fire, you're also being living consistently in the water of God. That which was estranged, God brings together. That which would never in the natural blend, God puts it together. That which in of what we understand, God takes it one more step further and says, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show the world somebody who's inundated in the water and yet consumed by the fire. Please stand with me. Father, Lord, I believe that you heard your people heard what you wanted to hear, even though I had some more things to say, but I believe this is where you want it to, to end. <clears throat> Father, my prayer for this people is for them, and to my knowledge, everyone here moves in the fire of God. 
So therefore, this message was not the initial consummation, but an encouragement to walk in the fire that's there and enjoy the fire that's there. Don't look for the world to understand it. Look for it to be a complete, all-consuming fire and yet never consuming our will, but we yielding our will to it. In Jesus' name. If your fire is diminished any at all, you step out and come. I want to pray for you and stir it up again with you and believe with you and let you get back to what God called you to do with that Holy Ghost anointing. You'll need fire to stand. If you're waiting on God, you're going to need fire to stand. If you're believing God, by faith comes walking in fire. It lives in the middle of fire. If you need a touch of your body, it's the fire of God. I, most of the time when I pray for people to be healed, there's always a heat involved in it. People say, when I got my first major healing from God, I had, given, I had given thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. For 23 years, I had been plagued by uh, uh, emphysema and asthma and allergy. And in one night, God burned it out of me, and the heat of God started my toes and burned up through my body. And when it was gone, when, when it went out the top of my head, my body felt like it was a cold. But I've never had that problem since. And what was with me for 23 years, God burned out of me in one time. It actually, it happened quickly. I just had to hang on to God for about six hours. But somewhere between midnight and dawn, around three or four o'clock, God did that work in my body. He comes in fire. He's a God of fire. If you need the fire approach today, you step out and come and we'll pray. <laughs> In a secret place, then his spirit beholding his face, adding the power to run in the race. How I long to be shedding his God. Shut in with God in a secret place. And his spirit beholding his face, gaining the power to run in the race. How I
today is that you encapsulate them into the baptism in water and into the baptism of the capsulation of fire of the Holy Ghost. Let them go through this place being rained and burned and refreshing it as your fire purges and purifies. Let it purify their soul and then Father build and kindle a fire in their spirit that will never diminish but even let the Holy Ghost the very word of him, the breathing of God, the breath of God, blow upon the embers of their coals continually and keep this fire from a glow to an ember to a bonfire in their spirit. And fathers, we leave this place today. Guard and keep your people, station your ministering angels around them, lest they dash their foot. I pray for the Holy Ghost to lead them and guide them and direct them. I pray that the Holy Spirit give them holy tenacity to be the men and women of God that will change their world. In Jesus' name, amen.